Hello and welcome to the Jack Cast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocken and joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. And we're uh, very glad to welcome a special guest for this Cardiff City preview episode, Ian Mitchell-Moore. Evening, Ian. How are you doing, gents? Thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Great to have you on, mate. I hope you're looking forward to this part. It's probably not the most uh, optimistic we've come into a Cardiff City fixture, but then I suppose we've come into some in bad runs before, so we'll see. But we'll start this podcast by looking at uh, Wales's games over the weekend. They started with a friendly against South Korea, which was a nil-nil draw. Let's said about that, the better, really. And they followed it up with a qualifying game against Latvia, in which they eventually run out 2-0 winners, Steve. Yeah, um, uh, definitely a better international break than the one in June. That can't be denied. Um, I'm, If I'm honest, I'm still not entirely convinced by this management team. Um, you know, beating a team that's 134th in the world, I think it is, is... You know, I don't think we're going to be putting up the bunting uh, over that. Um, but obviously, you're going to be put in front of you. It's it's a good win. Um, the concern I've got really is that the manager might now limp on. Um, it'll be hard to sack him after a potential loss to Croatia. And then you go into those November couple of games, he'd be in charge of them. And then if you're going to get make a change, obviously the next man is first game of the playoffs. So you're asking a lot for me. You should have already gone, as I've said many times. Obviously, that hasn't happened. That win now could actually do a bit more long-term damage, um, but short-term gain. So, I guess it'll remain to be seen. But, um, you know, we, we will see, as I say. I had a good time, though. That's amazing. <laughs> it was, um, well, I guess it wasn't vintage uh, against Latvia, Ian, but um, they got their goal uh, just before half-time with a Ramsey penalty. I thought that was a soft penalty, mind. I don't know if you guys have seen it back, but yeah, it was, was just like challenging in the area. But the penalty was given, Ramsey sticks it away, and um, after what I would call quite a nervy uh, second half then, and um, there was a lot of dirty tackles, actually. Really, yeah, really dirty was. team, but um, the ref seemed to leave everyone's, everything slide and let go. Um, but the winner comes, or the ultimately deciding goal, Ian comes late on from David Brooks, and uh, the scoreline has a little bit of polish to it. Yeah, I mean, I look, I look at what Steve said in terms of it was an improvement on the summer. Bottom line is, we just went back to being solid defensively because we've never been a team that puts three, four pass teams. Regardless, you know, you look over the years, maybe Moldova when we beat them 4 0 at home in the, in the World Cup qualifiers, but there's not many, is there, really? You know, even Andorra back in the 2016 qualifiers, so. Um, if we're solid at the back, back-to-back clean sheets as well, which you know that was much needed. We only had one since that Ukraine game before this camp, so it's, in that regard, it's a big improvement. And like Steve said, you can only beat what's in front of you. You know, I know Latvia, um, no great shakes. They're 134th in the world, and you know they haven't got a single point in this campaign. But we've gone out there comfortably. You know, sh- sh- should have been more comfortable than it was. Like I say, that David Brooks going so late kind of maybe look, made it look a little bit nicer, but we should have been three or four up anyway. So. All in all, we did the job um, and you just have to move on. I think that's all you can ask for from this camp. And Obviously, it's going to get tougher now with Croatia being the main game next time and then two really tricky ones, Armenia and Turkey, both beat us in June. So, um, it keeps us ticking. You know, I think there is obviously a lot of concern about Rob Page, certainly from fans, because you know, the, the summer was terrible, really, and it's probably still going to cost us, I feel, um, as much as we've got the playoffs to fall back on. Um, you don't want to rely on it, though. Obviously, it's a nice second option, at least. But yeah, I think you know, there's certainly from certain people at the FAW that they're not fully convinced by Rob Page. But at the end of the day, you know, he's, <laughs> this squad isn't what it used to be a few years back, where you know you're missing 
prime Gareth Bale and you know even Joe Allen and you go back to the days like Ashley Williams, James Chester, these sort of established Premier League players and stuff. So you know there is a big change, but um, yeah, I can see why there is a bit of frustration among fans. But we've got to be happy with this camp, um, in my opinion. Will Neil Mooney be happy with this camp, Steve? I mean, I think he's probably, I know Ian mentioned people in FAW not being overly convinced, but he seems to want to be sticking by his man. Well, um, you know, they they should have made a change, as I've already said, really, um, after what happened in the summer. And for me, it wasn't even just about that. I mean, I think that was more the fact that results did reflect the performances, but they'd been, you know, I, I was critical previously, I mean, doing the the successful World Cup qualifying campaign. I actually thought we were quite poor in a lot of those games, which I've said before. I mean, I look at a last-minute winner in Belarus where we'd had a dodgy pen to equalise and the goalkeeper's done an Andy Fisher to fumble mm-hmm. it in. Yeah. And Historia at home was nil-nil. Crap. Uh, we won one-nil away to them. Again, didn't play very well. I Let's mention about the World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah obviously no, the World Cup. Obviously, I know, obviously, I know you've been in tough opposition there, but I mean, Iran never do anything in the World Cup. That was the one, they, the one we thought exactly. was a bank. They, they, they gave us a hiding, really. Um, so, this is it. It just weighs up. And, I mean, you look at Paige's credentials. I mean, a man who's managed Northampton and Port Vale, it's, you know, that's not his fault necessarily, but it just shows you where, where he's at it's a ridiculous decision to get him a four year contract I think even he probably couldn't believe it he was probably thinking well they'll give me a two year deal uh, see me to the Euros and you know we'll, we'll go from there and if I do well they might extend it if not then obviously they'll make a change but I mean to give a four year deal is incredibly generous and a big mistake um, from my point of view and you know um, I'm pleased to hear that some people at the FAW are not convinced <laughs> but I think it's a lot harder to sack a manager after a win. Yeah, that, that's sense. the issue now. So, and to be honest, if they were to sack him now, I'd be looking at them and thinking, "Well, do you actually know what you're doing here?" Because I, what's happened in the last like few days yeah. wouldn't have done him any harm. So that tells you you didn't believe in him no matter what happened, and you really should have gone in the summer. But we will see, won't we? It's a little bit like uh, the Russell Martin situation, where the fact that he went on a really good run at the end of the season probably didn't help the owners Definitely. when they wanted to kind of cut ways at the end of the season and just let, let him leave and then all of a sudden on the brink of a playoff uh, position you're thinking surely you keep hold of this guy but I guess the, the that ship had long sailed I was thinking actually and um, after the Latvia game the last man I think really on charge of a transitional Wales um, as it were was um was John Toshak and he was very cutthroat. He was very much kind of came in, got rid of a lot of the old guard and 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 brought through the youngsters quite quite significantly so. Um Rob Page in terms of his own transition seems to have really clung on to at every opportunity that old guard. I mean we look at the World Cup where he was fiercely loyal to Bale and Ramsey um when they weren't doing anything with the pitch. Joe Allen of course as well who was struggling with injuries and stuff. Um and he's either here and all there with it at the moment, is he? He's kind of just trying to do a little bit in between and maybe not working. Yeah, I understand that to a point. Um, I think, you know, like you say, with Tosh, that was very different because he was so ruthless because he had to be. You know, mm-hmm. with the, the changing of the squad and the young players he introduced, um, you know, even like Bale getting his debut so young, which oh, yeah, anybody would have done, but that's when you, you come to your Ramsey, your Ben Davis, your, they were all just given prominent roles really quickly. and. Um, I think he almost knew that there had to be a big, big reset, whereas this current squad, there didn't need to be a reset, did there? Because even the younger players in the squad, Nico Williams, Ethan Ampidu, they've got caps. 
Connor Roberts, um, who else is in his bracket? Maybe Dan James, Joe Rogan, the ones that are sort of touch old and mid mm. mid twenties sort of thing. They've all got you know good. You know, Connor Roberts fiftieth cap the other night, so um, and it's not like any of them are in you know 34, 35. So we, we didn't need a reset. We just needed a refresh, I think, um, which has you know naturally happened with the retirements of probably more so not Bale and, and Joe Allen because they obviously had different um, circumstances with injuries but more so the Johnny Williams and Chris Gunters and stuff who maybe just weren't at the level of some of the players that we maybe need so I, I, there is a similarity I know what you're trying to say but it's very different as well which probably in a weird way makes people more frustrated that we haven't done slightly better in terms of performances cause yeah, there's, less, there's less kind of I guess excuse to hang your hat on then isn't there because as you say all those players that we hear and still play and have a plenty of international experience as well. Yeah, exactly. No, it is a transition. You know, our front line's so much different to what it has been, and so I've got I've got some sympathy in that regard because you look at the Euro twenty sixteen qualifiers. I was going through the stats today. Um, we only scored eleven goals in that camp. Um, mm. Seven from Bale, and he got two assists as well. So this is when we were at our peak and got to the semi finals of that tournament. And even then, you know, it was a struggle to score goals and. They weren't being shared out. We were so, so reliant on Gareth Bale. And I just think, and it sounds, people might say this is obvious and stuff, but people are really realising how much that man dragged us through games. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know that's a statement of the obvious, but it's it's just becoming abundantly you know, clear how, how much he, well, we relied on it, really. Because you haven't got someone like David Brooks, or granted, probably a bad example given his own personal circumstance, but... Harry Wilson, Dan James, these sort of boys, you can't bank on these to score you four or five goals in a qualifying campaign, can you? So, you know, um, the squad's just not as strong as it has been. So, are we where, are where we are? I think Conor Roberts said something like that in terms of we shouldn't expect to qualify. Now, obviously, the ambition should be to qualify because we've made three of the four last tournaments. So, um, but, you know, I don't know, is it just a dose of reality here? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. We've, we've all grown up in the, the grim eras of the 90s and, the, and most of the noughties, so we know what it has been like so. I think it's a bit of a funny one. Like, I don't, I don't look at Euro twenty sixteen, and look without a doubt, Bale was the re- reason we qualified. But I think when we've been at our best, obviously we've we just haven't let in goals. I mean, as Mitchell said, there's seven clean sheets in that qualifying. Remarkable, really. And you think about it, one of the ones where we didn't keep a clean sheet was Andorra. So that shows you that was mm. we we kept clean sheets against the big teams twice against Belgium, for example, which is some going really. Um, it's it, it is a lot harder now. I think, but we can't. I, what I found quite strange in the, before any of the games was some of the interviews given. Like Ramsey was more or less saying we could win all the games and still qualify, and then you've got Con Roberts saying something different, like we shouldn't expect to qualify. But the the truth really is somewhere in the middle because I don't think we actually do expect to qualify, but we most certainly don't expect to lose um, or concede four at home to Armenia and lose, and we don't expect halfway through a qualifying campaign when you're a second seed to be looking and thinking already where you know you're looking at playoffs I think there's there's an in-between there I think yeah 100% isn't, isn't it if we'd beaten Armenia and we were in the same position as we were now and we'd still lost in Turkey everyone would probably go well okay Turkey's disappointing and could cost us but we'd still be thinking right well it'll probably go to the last game and a win over Turkey could be enough to do it whereas now we're looking at other results and surely it's going to take seven points from nine to even have a chance in it and really we've got a bit lucky because Turkey didn't beat Armenia the other day did they? Yeah we got lucky with that result and then like you say it's not even you know we could win both of those last two and, and even on head to heads it's unlikely that we'd overturn them unless we pump one of the you know Armenia or Turkey which 
you know, looks unlikely, doesn't it? So it already means we're going to have to get some sort of result, whether it's a draw or a win against Croatia, which, you know, I know we did it last time when we played them at home when, again, Gareth Bale scored. But yeah. it's, it's just such a big ask, isn't it? And it means you're probably already looking at playoffs, which we've no longer got that guy that can be a 5 out of 10 performance, but bang in two worldies against Austria or bang in a free kick against um, Ukraine, albeit with a massive reflection from Yarmolenko. So who knows, boys? Yeah. Would you, I was going to say it was just really complicated this playoff system now as well isn't it but because Poland looked like they're not going to qualify automatically I don't know I'm aware of you this you are Matt Rangan but they they now were likely to be in the playoff and they'd have a home playoff and my understanding is we may well have a home playoff but then that second leg would probably be away to Poland and that's a big ask for us to go there and win isn't it? I think that that's what concerns me now is those playoffs and also we've got to be realistic last time we were very lucky that those two playoffs were spaced out. I don't think Bale had two 90 minutes in and, uh, across four or five days. Absolutely no chance. So yeah. the fact that we had that, however long the break was, a couple of months or whatever, mm. it didn't half play into our hands and the fact that we had two games at home. It was as if like the, the man upstairs was shining on us, really, because you know, it's hard for us to win two games back-to-back. It doesn't very often, especially against the top opposition. So I think that was what would concern me going into a playoff. It, you'd be asking a lot. They'd back us maybe at home to beat somebody, but if you've got to go to someone else's backyard and earn it, that's a big ask, isn't it? Yeah, I, I totally, you took the words out of my mouth there. We had an absolute touch with that. And the first and foremost we avoided, was it Portugal and Italy who, yeah. ironically, were in the group together. And mm. then to get the teams we did, they were all beatable. Um, then we got two home draws, which whatever happened, we knew that was happening. So then, like you say, the, the, the spacing of the games, which probably definitely helped us in terms of bail and, Ramsey at the time so yeah everything went our way in that regard didn't it whereas this time it's, it probably won't be the case and it's just going to be so much harder isn't it which is why we put as much as we can look and say yes at least we've got the playoffs last time it felt a bit more comfortable the way the draw went but um, I'm not so convinced this time but you know we'll, we'll see we'll yeah see. I think the other thing as well though is that if you look at to get a, a playoff for a World Cup is very acceptable at the end of the day there's only 13 places for teams from Europe so we'd be incredibly arrogant, I think, to expect to finish as a group winner. Whereas in this, where we know that second place, which is where we finish in the World Cup, would automatically take you there. So there's a big difference in there between 13 and, and 24, obviously. So I think that's where the real frustration comes in. Plus, if we're being honest about it, Germany is superb for a tournament. This would be a killer one to miss, wouldn't it? Uh, You'd go anyway. No, You'd just I have to go anyway. No, I, I can't turn up to a party where I'm not invited to. <laughs> I'm going to Vegas instead. <laughs> Germans would love Wales fans to turn up anyway. It would just, I don't know. I think uh, that's going to be the one you have to be at, isn't it? I know it, it really does depend on Wales's chances. Is he the right man, Ian, for you? Um, I really, I'd be brutally honest, I, I, there's been too many instances where I thought it was naive. So the first one was probably the Denmark game at the Euros. Um, then you look at Qatar as a whole, and then um, the summer. Um, so I just think there's been too many instances of where we go bloody hell like have we not learned yet and, mm. you know I, I know there's been squad changes transition we've, we've talked about that already but yeah so I'm, I'm not convinced to be really honest but at the same time I do have some level of sympathy because I know he's been key in bringing so many of those players through and they do respect him from everything that I've been told you know a lot of the players do back him as a um, not just as a person everything like that but as a coach and stuff as well so look I know that won't be popular with a lot of people but that's just that's just the facts. That's what the general consensus is among the squad. But 
Um, yeah, it just seems like there are sort of certain people at the FEW that are, are doubting him. Not everybody, obviously, you know, he does have his backers as well, but there mm. are sort of questions being raised behind the scenes. Yeah, I think, well, some of this stuff off the pitch as well, which kind of bemused me early doors, is the uh, Ollie Cooper situation as well, where he hadn't actually seen him play and then he turned up once and then he wasn't penned and stuff, like he'd played nine games previously in a row and it's just. He's been spotted yeah. in the home end but of the Cardiff fans yeah, as well. well yeah, apparently he was in the away end, wasn't he, at Ellen Road? Oh, away end, sorry. On the opening day. But look at the way as well, he dug out Joe, uh, the Swans over Joe Allen, where you know that really should have been kept in-house, um, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll be honest, the other day, hooking Ramsey of 48 minutes in a must-win game, and then... It's showing yeah, some colours. I, I'm, unfortunately, it, it looks... A, we, obviously, we're, we're biased here, aren't we? But it, it looks sometimes a little bit as if... It, He's thinking, well, well, Cardiff need him, and I'm a Cardiff fan. It's mm. not a good look. It could be absolute crap, couldn't it? But the thing is, that we've had a, yeah. a Swansea born and bred manager, Wales, yeah. more successful in in history, and yet you never saw that Wales bias through a uh, Swansea bias. Sorry, yeah, but, but, but if you did, there'd be some people all over it. One man who well, the only one, the only one know. you could argue, you could argue, was swapping Ramsey for Williams as captain. Yeah, I mean that was the only thing you could probably look at for that but slant. That was. But, I think I understood the reasons for that. Yes. It was the right decision, but obviously it's not going to go down well with a certain fan base, but it wasn't the wrong call. No, I, well, no, not you at know, all. It's been proven to be right as well. Which, you know, but yeah, bias maybe, but you look at some of these things that stacking up, like you say, in the away end at Ellen Road in Cardiff fans, uh, disregarding Ollie Cooper through his richest reign of form and uh, coming through the Swansea team and stuff. And as you say, the public uh, dispute over Joe Allen's fitness was... It does leave a little bit of a question mark. And, um, of course, everything you said, Ian, as well, the on-field stuff hasn't impressed either. So, um, But as you go back to what you said earlier, Steve, when do you make the change now? Maybe it should have happened a few months ago and then well, it would have been cleaner. Well, this is the thing. I mean, they, they need to make it, you know. I, I personally don't think he's going to get fired. Um, okay, I don't but, think he will now. But from my point of view now, though, if he isn't fired and we don't qualify, the chief exec has to go. Yeah. Yeah, simple as that comments. because they've had their opportunity to do it and they have not done it so I'll be looking at him and thinking off you go yeah well he's he's hung his reputation on it really hasn't he yeah 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 so qualifying for major tournaments now I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't necessarily expect it but we should expect better than what we've had just now and you know everybody else can see it I I haven't spoken to a single fan who really believes in him so you know you never get a, a, a fan base that unanimous unless it's like no. a rivalry against the team or something but um We'll come on to that shortly, I suppose, won't we? Well, let's, let's seg horn it in now. It was, uh, that was our Wales segment. That was, what, 19 minutes? The first 19 minutes, Steve spoken to me about Wales without playing that god-awful Wales Away song to me, actually. So I'm blessed for that. Don't you dare play that now, by the way. <laughs> just just so on my phone, yeah? <laughs> you dare. We're going to move straight into uh, the, the big one then. Um, Swansea at Cardiff on the weekend. It's... Uh, Unusually, uh, quarter to a kickoff. Um, it's weirdly also Swans fans leaving mid afternoon to get up there. It's all a bit of a, uh, a shambles, really, the way it's set up, Steve. And the Swans form going into it as well leaves a lot to be desired. But it has before. I mean, we've yeah. done this before. I know under Russell Martin, there's two or three occasions where we came into it thinking, oh God, do we need this now? And remember, we spoke last week on the pod about. Is this the best time or the worst time to play in Cardiff? And I don't think we necessarily agreed on this because no. sometimes you kind of need a massive distraction to get you out of a rut. What, what is interesting is, obviously, like Trip in Latvia, I do actually know a few Cardiff fans around the chat and 
one of them in particular is genuinely broken by what we've subjected them to over the last few years. So they're not particularly confident. Don't get me wrong, there'll be certain people who are and they'll mouth off that they are, but maybe then they're not as much as what we think. So, look, I mean, it's a good time to play him if we win, if we don't, it's a bloody disaster, isn't it? So, I mean, it's it's as simple as that. We'll, we'll know on Saturday at 10 o'clock, won't we, whenever it is. Um, but, you know... If I'm honest, I'm, part of me is wishing I wasn't going. Not just because of the football side and I'm, I'm not overly confident, but I don't know, I feel like the what's been put in place for everyone that is going is genuinely so over the top. Like you, last season, it was half past 11 um, down the stadium. We'd, we'd gone by 12, Cardiff West Services and then in. It's like, well, I can stand this stuff. I know no one likes it, but I understand why they do it. But this year now, they're asking you to be down there a whole four hours, 15 before kickoff instead of three and a half. Then they're saying they're not. You're not going to board the bus until four, and you're just thinking to yourself, "Why are you doing all this?" And initially, they they were going. Food and drink thing was food, incredible. Food, food and drink. And I remember last year as well. The toilet on the bus was locked, and it's like this is a, these are basic human rights here. It's just ridiculous from my point of view. Now I think the club need to have a fans forum with whoever's making these arrangements at the club and someone from South Wales Police because this is genuinely now it's not acceptable. It's gone far too far. Like it hasn't sold out. For away fans, that's it. No surprise. People are fed up with it. Yeah, like they and they think it's gone too far. When I you don't very often see much trouble in. I would just see the bog standard of boost anew, which is you know it's Derby Day. What do you expect? But um, it's it's gone too far. It's it's wound me up, and yeah, and that's without all the the fact that we're not playing very well and not very confident. <laughs> that's hard up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they've got some of the great rivalries in in the, in the British game, and no one else gets this treatment. Yes. Like you were saying, Steve was saying there, I mean, the, the arrest stories I used, to, I used to read up on them back in the day and the, the violence and you're even driving up and down the M4 regardless of which way you're going, there's a, such a big presence and, and in fairness, like, it works so I understand why they do it but this kind of makes it all the more of a mockery that why the hell are they playing this at 7.45 on a Saturday because, you know, I know there's a Wales rugby game and things like that and you know, city centre but a lot of it's being dictated by police so, you know, I do have a lot of sympathy for club because a lot of these really stringent um, North Korea vibe sort of rules are, it's not entirely on them so um, but then it just makes it all the more stupid why isn't the game being played on you know say a Sunday or at 12 o'clock and there's ways of doing it you know you, you, why are you going to dot com four hours 15 I thought you were on the buses already the way it's been talked about it's just ridiculous mm. isn't it? so I've got sympathy for the fans because you know just once again you're being treated like cattle and worse than that probably so uh, yeah it's a weird one but then you know they're, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't because if there is trouble and there's fights people get injured and there's arrests well then what do you do so for me it just said it just proves that why on earth are they playing this game at 7.45 on a Saturday I, I'll, I'll never know yeah it, it is baffling especially because we've had to put up with like lunchtime kickoffs for so long and you're thinking well if you're allowing a 7.45 year why have you kept forcing us into Sunday at 12 then for, for basically exactly. most of my entire existence? So it's it just feels over the top now. I think it is a bizarre one at 7.45 on a Saturday. And yeah, look, I think if you're the home team, it's great because you're in the pub all day. You haven't got to put up with this crap, but obviously for us a lot, it isn't so good. So well, let's hope it has the effect that it did on the whale, as the Wales fans. Yeah, just everyone's, too, everyone's <laughs> just too, too smashed. Yeah. Well, I just can't believe the, the fact that, as you say, there's just... No level playing field there. You know, Cardiff fans go out, drink all day and waltz into the stadium. Swan fans being 
you know, herded onto buses four hours before, not getting a service stop. If they get toilets, it's a, it's a bonus. It's, it's, it's a shambles. I, I do wonder if both clubs need to come together, to be honest with you, and just say, look, this is now going too far. I do understand why it's a bubble, because, look, the, the days of the 80s and 90s, it was bonkers. Let's be realistic about it. And the fact that there were no away fans for a spell says it all. But, you know, we, nobody wants that. We, we need people in there. Um, you know, I don't like the bubble. I don't think anybody does. But if you did do it and, and let it be a free-for-all, I do dread to think what would happen because of how fierce this rivalry is. So I do get it. But for me, why can't we just be, you know, can add an hour to it, half four, and just do what they usually do. Get, get everybody in there an hour before. Everyone could buy, have a couple of drinks on the concourse, have some food. They've usually, to be fair, they've usually got TVs down there. They probably have the rugby on for people. That's not so bad then. It's just the fact that I don't know why they're, they're making us go so early. And But look, they've made the decision. But I do think we, we do deserve an answer over this. And are they coming at it from a position of we've had so much trouble in the last few years? Because I haven't seen or heard about it. But we haven't. Well, That's this is point. what I mean. So if we haven't, why are the rules getting yeah. more draconian exactly. and not being more lax? Because they they it should be the other way. Well, they have lax them in terms of it always used to be you would go up on a convoy in the M4. But I'm assuming they're going to do that again now. But the last couple have been, right, we're not going to do that. If your bus is full, you can go. Just go straight to the services and then you get an escort, 10 and buses at a time in from there. But it sounds like they're actually not going to have a Cardiff West service stop this time. So they're going to take 40 in in one go, which is some operation taking them from, you know, the edge of the M4 straight into Legoland. But look, we'll see, won't we? Yeah, Steve said, and it's not sold out, which is unheard of in recent times. And even Cardiff, uh, I don't think they've sold out either, mind. I think they're still trying to uh, sell tickets there, and I don't know I why think, that's it. Yeah. I, I think they'll be they'll be close to it. I mean, they say it's not their biggest game, but you know they've all been piping up over mm-hmm. Ramsey and everything like that, haven't they? So it's their biggest game, don't you worry about that. Four and the bouncy, and getting on to the on-the-field matters. Um Absolutely unheard of, and nothing even close to that in, in the history of the fixture. Um, <laughs> we've done everything as well. We've beaten them in in, in, in an emphatic fashion with 3-0 and 4-0 wins. And we've also done the 97th minute winner fashion as well, which is ultimately the best way to win a game if you can win it, isn't Stick it? Stick the knife in and twist oh, it. Oh, just the heartache. Watch, you can see the heartbreak, which is of the players as well. Well, that's um, the thing, at 4-0, most of them have already gone. Yeah, whereas, of course they're, they're all still in there, too, too, hoping for a winner, aren't they? I mean, the good thing about the 4-0 was you had a pretty 40-minute party of the second half, as yeah, well, like, like that, and you thought, well, here we go. Um, because Cabango when that made that 2-0, it was kind of like, oh, here we go, we're going to win this game, party time, Cardiff fans started ahead of the exit. The last minute winner was a little bit like, oh God, which way is this game going to go? Is it going to peter out? And then that euphoria yeah. for you guys. Um, and Mitch, you're our lucky mascot. Like have you, have you, you certainly haven't seen a defeat um, that wasn't behind closed doors, have you? Um, I saw, yeah, when Nathan Flint scored, I, I was at that one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but what, that's that the only one, one probably, isn't it? Yeah, that's the only one I've seen in how many derbies? It's been eight now, isn't it? Four seasons, so yeah. Um, yeah, and since, since I left Wales and Lions Swans, I've won a league game, so there we go. Maybe I'm the lucky mascot. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me you'll be there on uh, Saturday. I am, mate. Right, there we go. Right, <laughs> I feel a bit more optimistic now. Oh, uh, bloody hell. But yeah, it's, but just, just listen to the way that you boys were talking about the, the 4 0 and the, you know, the, 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 oh, I was going to say the double, the dupes, um, Cabango's late winner, and you know the, the passion and the, how much it means to you boys. Does that not kind of sum up why those Michael Duff comments after the Bristol City game just a very little bit naive you know when he's speaking about 
I'd rather get promoted and lose to Cardiff twice. Look, I, I think every single Swansea fan who is right-minded thinking would agree with that, but you don't really say that when you're six games into a league season or five, whatever it is, without a, without a win. So this game means the world. You know, I've seen the clips that have been circulated of Russell Martin's speeches and, and Mike Eames, the stuff he said in the dressing room last year. and you know, Even before that, you know, like Steve Cooper, and you go back much further as well, they, everyone understood it. They all got it. and You dig it up, you don't knock it down. So I just thought it was a bit of an odd comment, really. But, I mean, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're ultimately talking about um, what's going to happen this weekend. And I think you, you, you both sort of touched upon it. There's a bit of a negative feel about the Swans. But let's not forget, you know, Cardiff, I'll be brutally honest, I think everyone can agree, they have improved. Um, but it wasn't difficult because they were abysmal last season. You know, mm. It was only because of Reading's point deduction that they stayed in the Championship. So things should have been very, very different there. Um, but there's no doubt they're a better side. They've added a lot of quality there with you know, Carl and Grant, Obbo, obviously Aaron Ramsey, Josh Bowler. Um, so it's going to be a tougher prospect, and I think Swansea have probably regressed. Now, it's a bit of a harsh thing to say because they've only had a month under a new manager. So you know he deserves a bit of time and patience, obviously. But um, I, I don't think this is as much of a mismatch as, as a lot of people seem to say because I think there's a lot of optimism from, from Cardiff and negativity from Swansea, whereas I actually think it's quite an even game, really. Yeah. If it was a nil-nil draw or one all, I wouldn't be surprised at it. That'd be about fair, really. Yeah, well, we've, we've spoken about this for weeks now, Steve, haven't we, about the fact that a draw um, feels like something that both sides could take away and think, well, do you know what? Cardiff just finally stopped the rot. And for us to, to, to take away the opportunity for them, because we're feeling kind of like, God, anyone could beat us right now. We're really soft and, and um, not, not hurting teams ourselves. I think regards to Duff's comments, the thing that frustrated me the most about them and we've always, in my time at least, they've always had the manager, have always built it up, going back to like Martinez and stuff like that, even where he was talking about it and um, him coming in. They've from all understood it, they? And that point where he was, other managers, we've seen Cardiff managers make the mistake that Michael Duff's made, where they just talked it down. And I think even if you don't believe that it's the be-all and end-all, this is the next game. So if you said it before a ball was kicked at the start of the season, okay, you want to talk about promotion and not the Cardiff game. I get that. But when Cardiff is the next game, you build it up. You, you big it up. You get the team, the, the city, the supporters behind you. And this is what has been the recipe of our success. We talked about the Michael Eden's um, dressing room uh, uh, discussion with the players and, and how he built it up to how it means to the city and the and the people. And, and I just really baffled with a man who's clearly under a lot of pressure to start getting results, to kind of deflect this one away. When, as I spoke to you and said last week, Steve, um, it could be curtains from, even if it doesn't get sacked after it, I feel like he's right, the writing would then be on the wall if we lose. Well, it could be like a page situation where he's already lost the fans. He's not, he's not getting them back. And, and it's just a ticking time bomb then. Yeah, it's, it's just a stupid thing to say. I mean, you know if we played Bristol City 1-3 or 4-0, you know, we're towards the top of the league, playing really well, and then you got off to be honest, I'd rather win promotion and beat Cardiff. I still wouldn't be happy, but I'd sort of get it then. To say that after a truly abysmal performance, mm. as if promotion is some sort of realistic thing we can aim for this season based on what I've seen, just genuinely lost for words. Unbelievable thing for him to say. So I think that's what drove me up the wall as well. And you just think, oh, like, literally, you might think rather win promotion, but you need this game. You need, and it needs to go well because. People are not having you, yeah? And, and goes without saying as well, as I mentioned at the top of this piece, 
Um, Russell Martin came into a few of these in bad form. And this result kick-started a little bit of a revival for him on a few occasions, Ian. I think this can be a catalyst for better things. And that he's overseen that and maybe been ignorant to the recent history of the fixture is, is even more confusing and worrying. Yeah, I mean, in terms of a catalyst, absolutely, because we've seen it previously. Was it last season where they beat Bristol to end that dreadful run and then beat Cardiff after the break? And, you know, it's, it's usually been a, a really good fixture for, for them in terms of um, what it's meant, like, not just for that game, but going forward. I mean, the first one last season, ironically, was the end of a really good run, wasn't it? And then mm. they did win for about 10 or 11 games. I can't remember. I, granted, it was a World Cup in the middle, but, um, yeah, I, I just think it was just a bit, maybe not even naive, but, like Steve said, you know, had you beaten Bristol City and you know you, you've got a bit of confidence and you've got the win, you can yeah, you still wouldn't be happy, but you can let it slide. Or if they were, you know, Cooper's first season where they were top of the league after beating Leeds because they had an amazing August, and he said that, you'd go, all right, yeah, fair enough, I kind of agree. Whereas, you know, when it's not just the results, but the performance has been on the whole pretty poor. And at least with Russell Martin, you can see a progression. Whereas, and yet, I've got to stress, it's really early days, so we've got to give him time. And he's got a brand new squad, four players that we haven't even seen yet. Well, minus Jamal Lowe, who we saw a couple of years back and scored two at the Carter City Stadium, funnily enough, as well. So, um, but that aside, it's you know, it's just not something you really say. And it's just not, if, if, at least if you could say, yes, he's got us going in the right direction, I can see what he's doing, I'm liking it, and we deserve time. But at the moment, you're just thinking, Poof, this is going to be bit of a struggle and it might take some time to click you know, who knows we saw his previous club Cheltenham and Barnsley mm. where he had a terrible start with Cheltenham and you know look how he turned that around and even Barnsley it was a slow start and then they were in the playoff final and ultimately should have had a, at least a penalty shootout and lucky to lose up and go down to 10 men so who knows but the, you know, the early signs haven't been positive enough for me to warrant saying what he did about the derby I, th- I think it's a, it's a uh, hand in glove situation with it as well Steve in that you've got um, if you win the derby and you go into it with the right mindset, which we have done in, in for many years, and you go on and win it, even if you're not quite clicking, that fan reaction at the next three, four, five, six games, they're going to be singing about the derby, they're going to be singing about the players who are heroes, they're going to be bigging it up, the atmosphere is going to be great. That in itself, even if Duff hasn't quite got it right tactically, can spur the team on to winning games, and then suddenly the confidence in the camp grows, then suddenly the wins start coming, and then people start believing it's in it. Balls, it's, it's and it buys, you, it buys you time. I mean, let's be honest, Martin Spell on the whole, um, I could see what he was trying to do, and I do think if he was backed, uh, certainly in the way that Duff was, we would have gone to playoffs last year. But, I mean, a lot of it was unremarkable, but he's remembered as the king of the South Wales derby because he won four. But essentially, he had two mid-table finishes. Now, you know, if you end up with two mid-table finishes, but you lose all four derbies, like, I'm not sure he's remembered as fondly at all. Well, cause like, which, is, which shows, basically, what it means and the difference that it can make. So, you know... I, I don't get what Duff is doing at all. And the, the problem now is as well, if we do win the derby, I'm going to be looking at the players and thinking, they've done this for us. Whereas if we lose it, I'm going to be looking at the manager. Mm-hmm. He's not, I, I, that can be an exaggeration in some ways, being a bit harsh and stuff like that. But those comments really were an incredibly stupid thing to say. He wasn't thinking at all. Which concerns me a little bit because previous managers have opened the fans, or not the fans, sorry, opened the players up 
to the public and they've kind of that's how they've inspired them haven't they and shown yeah. them videos and got Alan Curtis talking and the Leon Brittons and stuff and like you say Michael Eames yeah. and getting them talking about what it means to families and the and the people in the city that go to work for 40 hours a week whatever just to be able to afford the game on the Saturday and kind of like looking right down the right down the social ladder then to say how much this means to everyone and it that comment makes me feel like he's not going to do that now he's just going to yeah. kind of look in house and not and okay, we we're fortunate, and that we do still have certain people around the club, um, like you know people who are still in the city, who you know like like Leon Britton's and Lee Trundles and stuff like that, who kind of know what it means to the fans and stuff, and and Michael Eames of course. But then you've got the management team and what they're looking at. Um, There's only O'Leary, isn't there? Yeah, he, he will know. But the interesting thing as well is obviously so many new players. There's going to be a lot of players playing in their first. Yeah, you know, Derby really isn't it? I mean, but I think team selection is going to be really interesting. I mean, Mitch, what? How do you think we're going to set up here? Because I mean, a few new players have come in. I mean, I'm certainly thinking that Josh Tyman and Bashir Humphreys might come in. Maybe not the others. Possibly the bench. But I mean, there's got to be changes, isn't there? After the last game. Yeah, well, suddenly enough, I was I was waiting for us to get onto this because I haven't got a clue. I'm trying. I'm just trying to think how is he going to change things. And Bashir Humphreys, I mean, he's been talked about so throughout the summer and you know I've got a couple of mates who cover Chelsea and stuff and everything that they've heard about him is so so encouraging and, you know I don't want to make comparisons to, to Mark Gurdy but it's a sort of similar vibe in terms of what people are saying so it, it sounds so exciting but for a young guy who's played is it two senior games for Chelsea and he's never had loans and stuff I just don't I don't think you go and throw him in at a derby you know I, I could be wrong but it would seem really really bold and, and a bit too much of a risk whereas somebody like Josh Tymon I think even before the, the Bristol City game um, uh, Michael Duff said he wanted to play Josh Key on the right instead of left and play Azim Abdullah on the left um, but Abdullah got a, the, mm. did his hands so that's why he stuck with Ashby and Key so potentially he could stick Key on the right for this one and, and bring in Tymon who you know he's, he's played loads of championship games for Stoke he's, he's not going to be any stranger to that sort of atmosphere in the field so that's a logical one. I, I don't see him throwing Jamalo in straight away. Um, same with Christian Pedersen, really. I, I would be surprised if that was the case. I think he's more of a maybe a squad sort of rotational player. So, um, of the deadline day ones, yeah, I'd probably say time was the most likely. And I, I think they really rate um, Bashir Humphries, and I don't think they'd have got him if there was an expectation that he'd play a lot of games. But I just think this is one of those, a little bit like Rian Brewster when he came in. Um, uh, was it his first game that the South Wales Derby? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got no change out of uh, Sean Morrison, did he? And, and yet yeah, he scored in his next game against Wigan at home, didn't he? he? He flew after that, so I just think it's maybe the wrong game for him. But yeah, um, it's a tough one, isn't it? But the, the problem for me is, though, defensively we've been so bad. I feel like we've got to do something. Exactly. No, I, I totally agree with that. And this is the dilemma that Duff's got solved because does he stick with? You know, if, he, if he's in a four, is it Cabango Wood? Does he have Darlingen, who he seems to only use now when? Things have gone badly wrong, and he throws him on at the end, like we saw at West Brom and against Bristol City the other week. And it's just the dynamics just very messy when it was actually quite settled at times under Russell Martin when it had initially been one of the problem areas under him as well. So um, I think that's the biggest call because realistically, I think Matt Ryan's and Fulton is an obvious one because I just don't think it worked against Bristol City having Ollie Cooper and Charlie Bettino in there. Um, so I think I'd have them two in all day long with Bettino because he's he's probably the best creative player they've got and he's capable from set plays and everything else as well. And then it's probably going to be a front two of 
Yates and yeah, you'd imagine it'd be Cullen, wouldn't you? I, I can't see Jamal Lowe starting straight away. Who knows? He might do, but because he hasn't played all that much for Bournemouth, I'd be surprised if he starts. So we'll see him off the bench, won't we? So it's that, it's that back. It's the, it's the defense for me. That's the one that he's really got to figure out what to do. With. Yeah, I don't know whether it would be bolder to do what Ian says there and make like one change or maybe two changes, or what you say, Stephen, say right. That was a shambolic performance. He obviously really wasn't happy with the Bristol City performance. Nobody was. Um, and, and, and look at it and say, well, actually, we need to ring the changes here. I need fresh blood, fresh ideas and fresh impetus on the pitch. I don't know which one is braver. I, for me, if Humphreys is as highly rated as they say, playing. If it goes wrong, OK, look, it happens. Like, I don't think people would come up with the knives for him over a bad game on, on debut, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's, an, it's an inexperienced player. People, surely everyone has recognised that we've been poor defensively. I, I think if he's that good, put him in. I, but I do understand it is, there is an element of risk in it, but I just think sticking with what we've got is, is a risk as well. So, well, that's, you know, that's, a, that's, that's the problem. Timon has to come in, but Keir on the other side would be a better side if we do that, I would have thought. I would be tempted to start Joe Allen if they feel he could play an hour. Um, mm. instead of Fulton but that's the question by now surely he can play an hour I mean come on yeah I, I, I totally agree with that I think I'd rather Alan with with Grimes but I, again it's that question of can he play a full game which yeah. I, I don't know so in which case it's by default it has to be Jake Fulton well not by default so that's oh. harsh but, but he yeah. has to be able to play an hour doesn't he Joe Allen for, for it to be worthwhile him starting yeah 100% I think it's interesting because a lot has been made in the in the media um Ian about Cardiff City's transfer window and stuff and how how much their fans have got on board with the new manager and they think this is going to be the start of something new. Um, maybe less so focused, which I think has been um, a really positive uh, recruitment drive from Swansea this summer. Um, but how do you balance the two against each other? I know Cardiff, as you said earlier, really had to get better. They couldn't really afford to get any worse or, or stand still where they were. But um, Swansea made some really good signings. They just haven't made them click together yet for me. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you look at Cardiff's squad and, and for me there's no doubt they've upgraded in a lot of areas because you're talking about players like Max Waters, who Swansea tried to sign at one point, mm. Mark Harris, obviously Swansea-born player. These these players who, you know, they're still young in their careers but they just weren't delivering for them and they've gone with some tried and trusted players. Obviously, Adam Ramsey's the obvious one but, you know, even Josh Bowler, he's had some good stints in the Championship and... Carl and Grant, another one who's on Swansea's list um, back in January. So, you know, they've got players who know what it's all about now and they can come straight in and it's no problem. Um, to an extent, Swansea have done the same in terms of, you know, Jamal Lowe, even Pedersen to a lesser extent, Tyman, um, Josh Key, obviously not at championship level, but certainly EFL level in League One. So, um, but then you've got the sort of lesser, as you're going to have always, you know, Ashby, who's not had too many minutes but you naturally you're going to get that with the loan same with Humphreys as well so but there is a nice blend there but I think with Swansea's it's more a case of time will tell how good these are because some of them I think have got potential to be brilliant whereas there's a few others who you know like Nathan Chirone we don't really know too much about him let's be honest um, Jerry Yates I think you know what you get from him he's a, a rugged championship striker and he's sort of proven that already with Swansea's I think he's done about as well as he could in what's been quite a, a sluggish start to the season so uh, jury's out is probably what I'd say um, mm. so I don't think you'd say it's been an amazing window because we still you talk about losing players like Joel Pirro um, Ryan Manning these sort of players who were so so key last season 
even over Femi, you know, I know he'd gone last season, but he proved that he could score goals in the end of that first spell. So, um, have those goals been replaced? Well, time will tell. Because can you realistically say that this season, Jerry Yates, Liam Cullen, Jamal Lowe are all going to score double figures? Well, one of them might, but it, will all three do that? It's We don't know, do we? So, until we've sort of had maybe a quarter or half of the season, I, I just think it's just too early to say whether it's been a good win, though. Yeah, and I think what we've spoken about previously as well is feeling a little bit more relaxed about the squad because um, if it doesn't work out with Michael Duff, I feel like another manager can come in and rub his hands together and think, well, actually, like looking at the front line, there's loads of different characters up there. You've got the big man, you've got the hard-working one, you've got the fast one in Ginelli, you've got players with, well, an even low now. It's got different characters and different characteristics, so this squad has been kind of, it's more balanced. But it's, it, the depth is, uh, is better, isn't it? Yeah, definitely balances the work because there's no you're no longer looking going oh wow there's a big glaring gap on the left side or whatever. So yeah, that's that's been the key. It's just whether they're of quality enough to to you know deliver over forty six games or whatever. Absolutely. Well, time will tell. Where's this game going to be won and lost, Steve? I mean, sometimes well all the time in derby games, home goes out the window, which for Swans is really good news right now. I'm thinking of the park, aren't you? I mean, we know the key player is for Cardiff. Um, you know, the man who, you know, was only played 48 minutes on Monday night. Um, look, it's, I think if, if Ramsey plays well, we're going to have a problem, aren't we? If he, if he doesn't know, then it's going to be easier for us. That, that is the issue for me. I mean, I'm still looking at us and thinking, well, there's not a great deal of pace in the team, as I've said before, that worries me. Janelli could maybe make a difference there if he's, because I'm assuming he wouldn't start, he'd be on the bench. Um, but I mean, like, maybe he is the, one. Yeah. Like, you know, we're talking about changes. Yeah. That would be quite a drastic it, change because it, it would be bringing in something else. It would. I, I don't see that. I think mm. his fitness isn't good enough. But um, look, uh, the interesting thing would be is can you imagine we actually won with a set piece? Like from a Patino great ball in and some like Darling scored a winner. We out Cardiff, it, Cardiff. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arguably, that's one thing we haven't done yet. It's a problem, isn't it? The way things are. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't see us creating a great deal. So, you know, then something like that becomes a situation. But it would be quite funny if we did play them at their own game and, and managed to win as much as I, that isn't the way I want to go usually. But look, it, it, this is going to be difficult. As Mitch has said, they've made better uh, made better signings. They are in a better position than they have been. So um, I think, realistically, I think if we get a draw, we're going to be happy with that. Obviously, because when I get down there on Saturday and I'm boarding the bus and I'm going through all that crap, mm. the, in my head the main thought will be Do not we, lose. we have to, no, no, it will be we have to win if I'm putting up with all this crap. Okay, but <laughs> um, but, but obviously, look, a draw you, you're never too disappointed. But you know, we all want five in a row. Let's not let's not deny it either. You might not get another chance. Michael Duff needs a result, Ian. He just cannot afford to lose this one for me. Yeah, I think he cannot lose is the key. And he does need a result, but I think he needs a performance as well. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of him and everything, obviously you'd prefer a win, but for him, I think it's probably better to have a, it's not better, but a really good performance and get a draw. You know, these people can go, all right, okay, here we are. Signings are bedded in, the window's shut, and we can build on this. Whereas if you do get a grubby 1-0 win, yes, no one's going to complain one bit, I understand that, but it does it paper over the cracks. And then you go to QPR on Tuesday, and then it's same more of you know maybe not a very good performance, and the results don't improve. So you know you just want to see an improvement in the, the style, and you know they've had patches in games this season where it's been you know 10, 20 minutes, and you thought oh here we are they, they look okay they're playing neat stuff, 
they also look at threat from set plays, they're direct when they need to be. But it's just been nowhere near long enough. You, you, I understand you're never going to get 90 minutes every week out of a team, but they've had nothing close to it so far this season. So I think, yeah, with the two-week break and players sort of settling in after what's been a bit of a mad window with 13 coming in and loads leaving, it's about the performance for me. So, yeah, like Steve said, I think most fans, even on the Cardiff end, I think, I think most would just take a draw now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, you're looking at it, Steve. Um, you kind of go into the game full of dread, confidence, uh, and so, anxiety. anxiety. I dread it every time, to be honest. Uh, but the good thing is, we're never really complacent about it, and that's why we keep winning. Like, but, yes. you know, because the Cardiff fans I spoke to in Latvia were like, well, you, you must love it. I said, yeah, you do at the end when you've won, but I can tell you in the build up, like on Saturday, the fact that it's a late kick off. I'll be in agony. I'll be pacing around the house, mm. like just waiting to get down the pub and thinking if I go too early, I'll be in such a ridiculous state that I won't remember anything. That might actually turn out to be a good thing. But yeah, it'll just—it's one of them. You just want it out the way because it, it does just mess with your head. How are you feeling about it, Ian? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like I said, there's been a lot of talk about how bad swans you've been at the start of the season and stuff. And on the flip side, Cardiff have had there's a perception that they've started better than they have. Now, what I would say, in fairness to them, they played Leeds away, they played Leicester away, they played Ipswich, who are flying, they played them away. So they've had a tough start fixture-wise, whereas, weirdly, Swansea's looked more favourable, but they're actually teams that have improved. You know, look at Birmingham, they're miles better than they've ever been for years in the Championship. And um, Preston, you know, they're top of the league at the moment. Bristol City have improved. So, you know, I think, in fairness, the league is just one of the strongest it's been for a long, long time. Even that established crop of teams are, you know, there's a lot of them in there. It shows like, you know, Middlesbrough in the bottom three and they were one of my tips to go up this season. So, you know, what the hell do I know? Why have you even got me on, boys? But um, <laughs> yeah, We've all made big mistakes like that. Don't worry about it. Exactly. But no, it, it just proves that it's just such a hard league this year and, and, and sadly it just highlights how much of a missed opportunity last season was, doesn't it? We said this, didn't we? Look at the gap there yeah. was last season. No one really improved to that extent last season. Now everyone did it this summer, and now it's just leveled the playing field again. I know, that's the thing. Well, it just shows, it shows you as well. If you have a bad window, and you never know, we might have done some of these players not after anything. We might find it hard to pull away from this like mm-hmm. bottom of the table. So this is the problem. Look, we'll, we'll see, won't we? Let's, I don't want to be too depressed. But let's end on a positive. It is going into the derby game. It is something we've done very well at over the past 15 20 years so we've always kind of had we've always competed steve at the very least and cardiff can't say that much well uh, the way i look at it is it will be my 20th derby live on saturday i've seen 10 wins i think it is or 10 or 11 wins this, the record is oh, 10 wins in 19 at this stage mm. it's remarkable it's four draws five defeats mm. so we've been spot the bragging rights are with us and they, uh, I know people think low of averages, eventually we are going to lose the game, but there's no reason why that has to start Saturday. And the right approach, we've got the, we've got the um, history in, uh, behind us in terms of these fixtures. And as Steve said, Cardiff fans themselves are nervous going into it because of that history. Yeah, let's be brutally honest. I mean, I spoke to a mate the other day who's a Cardiff fan, and he said he's mentally scarred. <laughs> it's, been, it's been horrendous. And it's not just losing four in a row, it's the manner of them. Swans mm. have absolutely dominated these games. And this is why we talk about all these things with the, the, the speeches and the, the social media posts and the, the videos of the legends, because it's, it's just proven how much it meant to this football club, the fan base, the players, everyone behind the scenes. So, um, 
they're not looking forward to this one bit. And as much as Swansea fans might be feeling, oh God, this is going to be the end of the run, they're the ones that are still on the end of this run and need to break the duck. So the onus is on them. So I, I still think that they're feeling worse than the Swansea fan base at the moment. But, you know, this could all change in a couple of days' time. But we'll see. Fingers crossed you boys are singing Swans away. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. All right, do you know what? I might, I might let that one slide if he comes on singing that on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, Sorry, man. Really well, you won't be singing it otherwise, will you? Um, no. Look, it's it's been great having you on, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us for this uh, Cardiff preview episode. Um, and uh, I'm looking at it through a glass half full kind of thing where you look at form going out the window, you're thinking, oh, we played so badly and really needs to go out the window. But... Um, and history kind of favours the Swans in this recent history. So um, let's hope that carries on the same on Saturday. Uh, you're both going up. I'm sure you're going to have a great time if the result goes the right way. Biggest word in the English language. Just and it letters. could be the biggest one repercussion-wise for Swansea in many years because of the bad run, because of the weird things said in the media um, and how much Duff really needs something. As you said, Ian, a performance... Uh, a result for the Swans fans but a performance for him and his longevity certainly so we hopefully we'll get both but there's the positivity from me I'm not going to ask you for score predictions because I would never do it for this game but um, Ian it's been an absolute pleasure having you on again and we'll get you back on soon no thanks very much lads and um, yeah fingers crossed you on Saturday enjoy as well and safe travels to you yeah Thank you, cheers thanks a lot and that's it. that's it from all of us now. Um, we will be playing QPR after that. I did promise Steve I'll say all that in there, but I don't, really don't see a... It, it just uh, adds the pressure if the result... I think we'll, we'll just review it next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be, uh, we won't have a preview for that, but we'll talk about it afterwards and, of course, talk about this uh, fixture which we spent the last 50-odd minutes discussing. But for, for myself, Steve and Ian, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.